Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast presented by University of California Television. Well, my dear friends, let me welcome you once again, this time officially and in the context of our Hemiscope series here at the Center for Iberian Latin American Studies at the University of California, San Diego. This program is part of an international conference that has brought to CELAS, to the Center, and to UCSD colleagues from many parts of the United States and from Latin America. And we are very fortunate that part of our program is a discussion we want to present to you that will be uh, taking place right here and now with two distinguished experts, friends, and colleagues, all in one person, that is two persons actually. On my right, in white, I'm sure you can recognize it, we have Stefano Varese. Stefano Varese was one of the first persons who ever did research on the Amazon basin, and this is exactly our topic. And he's currently a professor at the University of California in Davis, and so we're very fortunate to have him with us today for this discussion. Behind me in a darker suit is uh, Professor Rodrigo Montoya, and Rodrigo Montoya is a very well-known anthropologist in Peru, and he's coming from Peru to us as a visiting professor at the Center for Iberian Latin American Studies, and he has also been a visiting professor with Silas for many times by now, so he's also mostly most welcome, and we appreciate to have you here. And with no further ado, I will give the word over to Stefano Barese. Welcome, and thank you for being with us. Thank you very much, Cristina, for this invitation. Thank you very much, uh, uh, the University of California, San Diego. And I'm especially happy to be here with my old friend and colleague, Rodrigo Montoya, with whom we worked together uh, many years ago. I don't want to say how many years ago. Myself uh, dealing with uh, the Amazonia of Peru, the, the Amazon region of Peru, and Rodrigo with the, with the Andes. But uh, slowly but surely, Rodrigo moved into the Amazonian region with his interest uh, as a social anthropologist, committed social anthropologist. So the question is, what is the current situation of the Amazon? And I have, a, because of my age, probably I have a, some biographical issue to put forward. Uh, Rodrigo, you remember that I, I, I went to the Amazon region when I was very young in the early 60s. And uh, I, there I learned very soon that uh, it was impossible to do non-committed, not engaged anthropology, and not even not engaged history, because I was coming from an ethno-historical position, and I wanted to understand what was uh, that helped the Ashanika, the Kampa, call at that time the Kampa, to resist so much invasion, occupation of the lands, and, and uh, deterioration of the culture and so on. And I learned from them that uh, the, the strength was basically in their conception of the, of the world, their, their conception of, of life. And what kept them together was their cosmology, basically. And so I emphasize, I emphasize at that point the spiritual strength of the Shanika versus other issues like the, the strength of their economics that was not there to be seen, at least. So that helped me to understand uh, years later 
why the social movement of the, of the Amazonian people, of the native people of the Amazon region, or comunidades nativas, we call them since the 70s, uh, is so obvious and is so successful in a sense in resisting the expropriation of their lands, the expropriation of their resources. As we speak, and, and, and we know by, just by reading the internet, as we speak there are 30,000 members of the indigenous community that are opposing measures uh, of the government, of Alan Garcia in this case, uh, the national Peruvian government, to expropriate their lands and to commoditize once more, another attempt to commoditize their, their, their lands, their resources, their life. And uh, so my question, and is a question to myself and to you, is how can we explain this ability of the indigenous people of the Amazon to resist and to reconfigure their culture and their political action and adapt the response to a, a massive global invasion of the land through corporate corporation uh, uh, aided, uh, helped by the state, by conniving government usually, and so on. Uh, if we think that uh, these people were classified, typified by all the ethnographers and polyscientists as primitive, as pre-political. You remember the famous dictum of Eric Asban about the peasant rebellion. Oh, these are pre-political movements, Eric Asban. And so we could have thought that that is also the case of the indigenous people of the Amazon, that they are going sort of semi-naked, impoverished, and nevertheless, they have this incredible strength in, in, in offering alternative and responses to the globalization from the, from the, from the top. So that's the question. And uh, when I started to look at the chronology of, uh, of the movement, I found out that already in 1959, 1959, the Ashanic of the Pyrenees were, were already fighting against the Peruvian corporation, a British colonial, post-colonial uh, enterprise that had occupied thousands of acres and hectares of their land. And so they were organizing already a response in coalition with colonists, with people from the Andes, 1959. And then 15 years later, uh, they got organized in, um, in the organization, uh, what is the name? Uh, IDESEP. IDESEP. And they got organized multi-tribally, many people together, Federation, Confederation, and they are offering now this incredible resistance to their uh, expropriation and, and uh, the expropriation of their lands and so on. And now comes the question, how do we compare this to the Andean peasant, indigenous of the Andes movement that was so strong in the 50 and the 60 with occupation of land, etc. All those beautiful novels by, by Scorza describing this, this fight of the and the young people to recuperate their lands, communal and communal land. And, and this sort of uh, recent, and I, I don't want to use a strong word, but a recent passivity of the, of the Andes in response to this attempt to globalize, internationalize their, their economy and privatize the resources and, and land. So this is the question we should probably discuss together. Okay. I think.
Um, thank you, Christina. Thank you to Silas for uh, this invitation. And I am very happy to because uh, Stefano Varese is uh, one of most important anthropologists in Amazonian region, in Peru, in South America. And he's a friend, a very loved uh, friend. In last 50 years, we have discovered a new actor in Latin America. The political indigenous movement organized with uh, their languages, with their claims, with their uh, own voices. And they are changing not only their situation, but uh, they are obligated to us, to other people in our countries, to think seriously in other horizon, in other future for our countries. The connection between Andes and Amazonia was a connection uh, with many problems. Classical historical problems with Amazonian and Incas in the first time. Classical problems with uh, Andean migrants going to uh, Amazonia trying to resolve the problem of poverty with a cultural conflict between them. Uh, in this condition, uh, the situation of Amazonian Indians with, Amazon with uh, Andean uh, peasants, with Andean uh, indigenous, is a complex and uh, difficult situation. We are, in this moment, trying to create the condition for a dialogue. And this dialogue is coming with uh, some external influences, positive influences. In the first uh, case is Bolivian influence. The Bolivian case for us is uh, maybe one horizon, not only for peasants, not only for indigenous. Bolivia has produced one revolution, very important revolution in 1952, before some of more important change in our continent. Bolivia had, in other moment, the union of workers very hard and very united. And for them, the union of workers was the condition for political work. And this is an example for Latin America, where the classical inheritance of Marxist, of classical uh, left, is uh, the division, all time the division. In the case of Bolivia, they have learned to us to be uh, united all time with uh, union of workers. But uh, today, we are discovering new voices, new um, claims. The first is the notion of territory. 
defense of culture, defense of langu languages, defense of identities, defense of biodiversity. And uh, in the last five years, we are uh, discovering one uh, new claim, who is the spirituality, new spirituality. And uh, maybe this case is a potential for our future because in the center of the attention is the religion. For indigenous, indigenous people, spirituality uh, is a gratitude with nature, with mother earth, with uh, rivers, with uh, oceans, with seas, no more. Only gratitude, only solidarity, only respect, only uh, reciprocity with nature. In the case of classical religions, religion means powerful gods able to punish to people, able to send us suffering, death. And for this uh, Amazonian and Andean people, they are thinking only in an offering to Mother Earth, to rivers, to Sia, and a promise to Mother Earth uh, respect, dignity. Another element now is uh, making a way, a special way, uh, with a Alin Kausai. Alin Kausai in Quechua is uh, a good leave. And they are trying to create a new position face to classical notion, Western notion of development. Development means accumulation, means uh, richesse, means individualism, and uh, Alin Kausai, good leave, means reciprocity, means resolve the basic problems no more, and uh, eliminate of the horizon all this idea of accumulation and richesse. Maybe this is one of uh, uh, more moments for change our political vision in Western society. I am convinced that uh, uh, political parties on the left, on the right, must learn this lesson coming from the indigenous political movement. And uh, I want to, to ask you, what is your vision of this historical problem between Amazonian people with Andean people. I am sure that uh, these historical difficulties are uh, one element of resistance for to dialogue, for, to, for the union, maybe in future alliance between two forces. Uh, I think you, you have uh, touched a very important issue. The, I'm convinced that the split between the Andes and, and the, what we call the jungle, 
La Selva, the Amazon region in Peru, especially in Peru, is uh, a result of colonialism. Because when I did my research for La Sede de los Cerros, I found that uh, people, the Ashanica, at the time called Camparites or Campa, or Antis, Antisuyo, remember the definition, yeah. they were familiar with the Andean people. And there, was, there were trades. After all, coca is a plant that grows in the tropics. And uh, salt from the Sal de los Cerros was traded in, uh, in the... So there the was a relation that was disrupted in a very violent way by the colonial occupation. And then, during the Republican time, the, the 19th century, when, uh, or the end of the 18th, but the 19th century, after the, the rebellion of Juan Santos, what happened is that uh, the, the push out of the Andes of landless peasants produced a massive movement of occupational land that was exacerbated in the post-World War II period when Belaunde started the idea that we had to conquer the jungle. And so that split has to be uh, healed. To, there must be a process of healing that will take place between the indigenous organization of the Andes, peasant, basically, and the indigenous organization of, of the Amazonia. And I see very good signs in this movement of resistance to privatization of the resources, because that is the precursor of an attempt to privatize again more and more the land and resources of the Andean people and coastal people and everybody. Because that's the final project of, of late capitalism. Introduce the notion of private property and commoditization of nature all over. So I, I see a, a light of hope in this. In this moment, with uh, conflict in Amazonian region in Peru against Alan Garcia, president of Peruvian Republic, uh, he is appearing one new element. This is a possible competition between leaders coming from Amazonia with leaders coming from Andes region. And uh, maybe this competition uh, could be positive for the future, but in the present situation is a element for uh, resist even once again the dialogue that we need. Uh, I don't know if uh, maybe one element that we have to take into consideration is that uh, the classist analysis of the social situation did not really take hold in, among the indigenous people of the Amazon. While it took hold a long time ago, since Mariatigi and before Mariatigi, in the Andes, and that has caused a kind of a secularization of the struggle, in the sense that the struggle is perceived through lenses that are Western, Eurocentric, European lenses. And the issue of cultural identity and Andean spirituality have been sort of put aside. In the, in, the, in the Amazon, instead, that process of, of uh, introducing uh, Marxist and socialist and leftist perspective, of which I have been very fond of myself, has, hasn't been so successful, thus leaving more space for the expression of deep civilizational issues. So that, actually, what they are telling us is that there are other alternatives to 
the Western-centric model of development. Okay, maybe we have a, a question from the public. Yes. So the question is, and I don't think we get a reward for answering it correctly. <laughs> what is the future of the Amazon or Amazonia or the Amazon Basin? And I, I think that we have to specify that uh, what is the future in political terms, social terms, environmental terms, economic terms. Uh, maybe to this question I, I, I should clarify. We should clarify that in Peru we say Amazonia, and by that we mean 60% of the national territory, which lies on the eastern side of the Andes. But Amazon is huge, and, and there are many countries in the Amazon. So for, the, for what I can speak of is a little bit about the Amazonia, of Peru, Amazonia, of Peru. And to me, and I can say a few words, and then you can <laughs> put your, your grain of salt in this. Uh, I think that it's the time to create a larger alliances, alliance of forces uh, for the Amazonian people, and in general for the people that is enfranchised, people of the world, but in this case of Peru and Latin America. Uh, the alliance is based on environmental issue, on cultural slash civilization issue, because it's a matter of civilization. We have seen in this recent crisis of late capitalism, or wild capitalism, whatever we want to call it, we have seen a deep crisis of Western-centric way of dealing with nature, with life, with humans, and with all the, with the universe in general. And it is time to look deep into our own tradition, whatever those traditions are, that are way older than capitalism, much older than capitalism. Judeo-Christian tradition, Islamic tradition, and then American tradition, American Indian tradition. And, and find alternative way of development. So the future, in reality, can be only predicted if we do a self-analysis as members of specific society and discover what, where are the roots of alternatives. No, they are not in the future. They are not in, uh, I think, this is my personal opinion, they are not in, in stressing more and more what we have been doing for the last five or 600 years, but in, in exploring real alternatives. So that would be my answer to this question. But in last uh, Social World Forum in Belén do Pará in last February, uh, maybe 4,000, 5,000 uh, indigenous people have participated in this forum. And they become, they've become the principal actor of one week of this forum. And I keep one element. The Indian was absolutely unified for we must defend our Amazonia. We must defend our uh, mother earth because the capitalist system is destroying, is destroying, is, is, is trying to uh, finish with resources, 
finish with uh, oil, with gas, with food, with uh, fish in, in rivers, and they uh, has they have clear conscience of the danger for them. In the same time, they say, defending our Amazonia, we are defending human beings in our planet. It's not only one strike only for us. It's for, uh, in Quechua uh, sense of us, for all us, for all us in the world. And uh, maybe, in my opinion, we, we are faced a terrible danger because uh, with uh, this desire of multinationals, enterprises, for take oil, gas, wood, and all the resources, they, uh, they will leave Indian society with nothing. And our countries reduces to a most important poverty. In the other side, I am convinced that uh, maybe I will say, I will try to say it with a reproduction of uh, some words of Zapatistas in Mexico. I remember I saw one slogan in one uh, demonstration in Chiapas. Nunca más sin nosotros, never more without us. And maybe this is a final, finally result of this strife. Uh, the exclusion, the classical exclusion is finishing. And maybe uh, the, the exclusion uh, must be uh, replaced by a uh, by first time in our history one democratic situation consulting all people and with indigenous people in the fir first line with their voices, with their claims, with their colors. And uh, maybe this is uh, the more positive future for us. Yes, I agree. <laughs> You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.